Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. I'm Josh Hammer. We'll be joined here soon by my good friend Daniel Horowitz. Daniel's a senior editor at The Blaze and the host of The Blaze's CR podcast. But until then, I want to talk about a controversy, really more accurately, kind of a ginned-up, faux-manufactured controversy right down here in Florida. And, you know, I live here in Florida. We talk a lot about Florida on this show, obviously. We had Dave Rubin on right towards the beginning of our launch, who's kind of adopting the mantle of the Florida man. He's, you know, I see Dave. He's happier now than he's ever been in his life, I think, since he moved here. But a a recent incident involving our governor, Ron DeSantis, and his fight over the so-called, quote-unquote, don't say gay bill. That is not what the bill is actually called. It is the Parental Rights in Education Bill. Our governor signed it into law about a year ago. When this thing was kind of coming up through the pipeline and just kind of lay the broad overview of what this law does, the law is kind of, it's part of a series really of kind of, really kind of the post kind of Chris Rufo, the post critical race theory momentum in the country. You see, you see this in a lot of kind of Republican conservative circles right now. The idea here is to kind of reclaim parental control and kind of parental familial sovereignty, if you will over your own child's upbringing from the woke forces, whether those woke forces take the particular form of race. That's obviously the critical race theory, 1619 Project, Nicole Hannah-Jones, Ibram X. Kendi nonsense, or in terms of kind of gender, LGBT, sexual orientation, gender identity, and kind of, you know, the, you know, the rainbow flag and all of that. But the point here is that the bill that has now become law here in the state of Florida basically says, well, you know, I probably should just read the thing to you, okay? Bear in mind before I read to you that this following provision that I'm about to read has been universally, has been unanimously called a quote-unquote don't-say-gay bill in terms of its what it's doing in the realm of education, Okay. Listen to this. This is what the law reads. This is the relevant provision of the law. Quote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. Close quote. That's it. I'm not going to read the damn thing again, but you don't need to score a 1600 on your verbal SAT score to read this and think, well, what the, what the hell is the controversy here? What is controversial about this provision here? The law is literally saying that if you are in kindergarten through the third grade, if you are ages five through eight, nine, however old third graders are, then you're not going to learn about homosexuality, transgenderism, or LGBT or gender ideology in general. Because you know what? When you're in kindergarten, first grade, do you know what you're supposed to be learning? How to read, how to add two and two together to get four. That's literally what this freaking bill is saying. 
Nonetheless, I mean, you know, the Democratic Party, the New York Times, CNN, the entirety of kind of the ruling class in this country, the mainstream media allied with the far left in general, called this thing the quote-unquote don't-say-gay bill. They even, when this thing was passing through the legislature up in Tallahassee, Democratic activists kind of stormed through the legislature just chanting at the top of their lungs, gay, 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 gay. Well, guess what? The provision doesn't say the word gay in it. Again, I'm not going to read it again. You just heard it. It's nowhere in there. This is totally insane. But the most interesting takeaway from this, and first of all, amazing job by our governor and kind of Florida Republicans in general for standing for standing up for this. But the most amazing thing is that despite kind of the ridiculous pulling your hair out hysteria, despite the flipping out, the likes of which the Walt Disney Company and, and, and folks like that have done, Disney has, you know, it's a California-based company. Obviously, it's a huge presence here in, in, in Florida with Disney World in the Orlando area. They obviously, you know, they have flipped out about this bill. They've kind of announced a hard pause on all political donations here in the state of Florida. Chris Rufo, who I mentioned earlier, kind of unveiled these videos of kind of like a company-wide Disney kind of cry emoting session, if you will, where one of the higher-ups of the company was kind of complaining about this and saying that she has various kind of gender-fluid or, you know, uh, gay or transgender children, genderqueer, pansexual, whatever the heck we're calling these terms these days. And the, 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 the point here is that despite this backlash, despite what we're hearing from, from, from the Walt Disney Company and folks like that, polling consistently shows on this that Florida Democrats support this bill. Registered Democrats in Florida support this bill. The bill nationally is polling at a remarkably successful rate. A political morning console poll showed, I think it was uh, 16 points in favor of the bill. A Daily Wire poll showed it at something like 30 to 40 points in favor of the bill. Because you know what we call people, folks? Do you know what we call people who feel an overarching need to tell the teachers in public schools of five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds to teach them about the birds and the bees? Do you know what we call those kind of people? We have, an, we have a word for that in the English language. We call those people perverts. And the American people still fundamentally, whether you're registered Republican, registered Democrat, are not perverts. Good for Governor DeSantis, good for Florida Republicans for completely ignoring this ridiculous faux manufactured controversy. They've really been kind of defiant on this. It's been, I think, part of the governor's uh, you know, brand to kind of stand athwart this kind of wokeization, if you will, of the body politic. He's done a tremendous job of it, in my opinion, here. But it really does kind of show the path forward as well for what kind of courageous conservatives can do when they actually kind of muster the courage to take on the forces that are, again, are arrayed up against us in a row like nothing before we've ever faced. But we'll come back to this, I think, at a later time because this fight's not going away. But in the interim here, you know, let's take it to a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to bring on the aforementioned Daniel Horowitz. Stay with us. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back. So we have my longtime friend and longtime comrade in this 
fight for civilizational sanity against the, the forces of civilizational arson. That, of course, is the great Daniel Horowitz, senior editor of The Blaze and host of the CR podcast. Uh, Daniel, welcome to my new show. It's so great to have you here. Yeah, and it's great to be turning the tables. Now I'm on the other side. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. No, I, you've had me on so many times over the years, so it's, it's so great to have you here in conversation. So, Daniel, I started paying attention to what you were writing really back when I was in law school. I think it was, I always agreed with you on kind of crime, law and order, immigration, those issues. But, you know, my legal background, I kind of naturally gravitated to your writings on constitutional issues. And then I kind of, from there, just learned more about kind of your just very in the weeds kind of full spectrum view of what it means to be a conservative. So much of that is in flux these days, obviously. I mean, that's kind of what this podcast is kind of entirely about is bringing on guests to kind of tease out that very question. It's like what it means to be a conservative, what it means to be on the right. So it's kind of an open-ended question, I guess, but what do you think being conservative in the year 2022 even means? Like what does it, what does it mean to you sure. in the context sure. of U.S. politics? It's completely outdated. The term is outdated. And I almost feel like uh, changing the name of my podcast, Conservative Review, <laughs> to maybe Independent Review. But here's the deal. Um, we've never been faced with anything like we've had the last, let's say, three years. I would say it's a generational thing, but it's culminated the last couple of the years with these catalyzing events. You said at your best, the best in your intro, civilizational arson. So... How do you apply conservatism in the context of civilizational arson? And we've never had a scenario where you have a bunch of madmen who run the world. And, and this is not a matter of who's in a legislative body, who's president or governor, and even who's on the courts like it was for a while. But it's just the masters of the universe, as Jeff Sessions used to call them, the Zuckerbergs, the Bill Gates, the Klaus Schwabs, it's a global movement. And they believe they have godlike qualities. You listen to them, they will say openly what they believe. Uh, they believe you are nothing but a digital organism in their hand, and they can mold you whichever way that you want, whichever way they want. So we're not even dealing with the great civilization issues that you and I talked about a few years ago. Okay, sovereignty, culture, borders, crime, um, judicial supremacism. I mean, and these are, you know, civilization killers. We're talking about human killers. We're talking about creating, foisting upon us viruses, blocking the treatment for it, and then foisting another bioweapon upon us to treat it. We're talking about all sorts of digital technology that's being used upon us. You know, it's unfettered power, unrestricted warfare. That's what we're up against. And they're now leveraging every single tool of society, economy, culture, medicine, law to checkmate you where, where if you don't go along with their new global digital transhumanism, then they will make sure you are boxed out. You know, we'll, we'll seize your bank accounts like we saw with the truckers. Yep. We're, we're finding organ transplant patients being denied organs for not getting a shot that now clearly is outdated at a minimum. Um, complete uninhibition, violation of Helsinki and the Nur Nuremberg Code. 
So to get back to your question, <laughs> well, we're, I, I would love to go back to the time when we have the luxury of debating conservatism versus liberalism. What I would say is confusing now is conservatism as a strategy is dead. Meaning, as a strategy, conservatism, I think, you know, was really born out of the French Revolution that you wanted to conserve the old guard, the old traditions from the onslaught of new radical ideas. The problem is because we've had a phony opposition for however long you could trace back, but we've never really had a party that stood for anything since Reagan. And even then it was somewhat of a one man show up and down the ballot. And by the way, that's by design. And we can get into that. It's not just America. Name me a single Western former democracy that has a legitimate right of center party that effectively represents the people. And you will find you go to the Tories in England, you go to the Australian party, you go to the Likud in Israel, you go to the conservatives in Canada, you're going to get worse than the Republicans. So it just gets worse from there. So it's by design. We haven't had that party represent us. So because of that, we are now suffering the effects when we've warned, oh my gosh, one day we're going to have paper money. One day they're going to control our bodies. We're going to have no freedom. But we had it then. We were warned about it. Now we're living through those times. So if you take a so-called conservative approach in the traditional sense of the meaning, you're actually conserving tyranny. Let me give you a vivid example, and then we'll, we'll move on. I was just dealing with this. One of the things the rhino governors are exploiting now with COVID fascism is they've groomed their society, their states for two years to go along with this pseudoscience, the illogical, illegal, immoral and inhumane uh, closures, restriction of uh, assembly, the right to assembly, the right to open a business, then the right to breathe. Uh, You can't even breathe. You cannot live in locomotion unless you take an affirmative action against your body, but not just against your body, but your breathing holes. I mean, you can't get more basic, uh, you know, uh, Blackstone's definition of individual liberty, walking in locomotion unrestricted than that. Right. And then, so what it's done is businesses had to require masks, had to do this. And you're killing people if you don't do this. So what that did is almost like a child predator, it, it groomed them to this mindset of COVID fascism. So now, especially in the healthcare sector, but other sectors, and especially at the BS of the federal government, they're going and forcing people to get a dangerous and ineffective shot, no matter the person, no matter the circumstances. Idaho legislature passes a bill, modest bill, 12 months. You can't do this. So next 12 months, you can't do this. He vetoes the bill, Governor Brad Little, that is, and he's like, I'm for limited government. I don't <laughs> like telling businesses what to do. But so that's what they do. Well, we saw that we saw that in Arkansas too with H. Hutchinson, right? With the with the transgender surgery yes. or whatever was the context there. Yeah. Yes. I mean this is the trend. This is the trend in conservatism now. Where so in, in a vacuum, they'll use a principle that we agree to, but because they've spent years and decades telling businesses what to do and therefore creating artificial monopolies. And because We have the ultimate big government where we have the feds telling us what we can put in our bodies, what we can't, what we must wear on our nose and mouth. I mean, stuff that would have blown our minds a few years ago. 
now it's the responsibility of a, of a conservative governor in a, in a red state to interpose against that. You have to meet pa- power with power. Uh, governor DeSantis clearly understands this. Yep. The corporate monopoly would have never been created. But now they look, is anything about healthcare free market? Give me a break. It's it's all um, you know, artificially created by the government since the 1960s, accelerated with Obamacare. So they have a monopoly now. They could box us out. Now, I start a business, you start a small business, a million dollars worth of ADA compliance, OSHA compliance, anti-discrimination. Someone has AIDS, you know, you can't look at them the wrong way. Suddenly, when we have the most illogical, odious form of human discrimination, hey, since when could you tell a business what to do? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Let me give you another example. You know, we have spent years in culminating with Obamacare telling insurance companies what you can and must cover up until and including actuarially insolvent um, ideas. You know, things that, that clearly someone's at greater risk. So you have to charge guaranteed issue community rating, same rate as everyone else. That was the crux of Obamacare. And we codified that. So now you have, because of the spirit of the age and the monopoly, it's literally impossible to create a new insurance company, right? I think it's safe to say until the end of times, we will never have a new company other than the five or six that exist that are remaining ever break into the market. That was all due to the fact that we do regulate insurance companies. Okay, so now they got you in a noose. That's what they were doing the last generation or two. Now that they got us, now they're going to turn around and say, you're going to do what we want or else. And they're doing it with banking, um, you know, healthcare, anything. So now they're saying, you know, we're not going to cover you if you don't get the shots. Um, we're not going to cover certain treatments, but we will cover remdesivir, which is killing people in the hospitals. Okay. That's when the states have to step in and say, wait a minute, you want to get rid of Title Seven, You want to get rid of OSHA, ADA, everything, you know, you know insurance management. We, we could talk about that. But until you do that, we sure as heck are going to apply it evenly, because if you don't, you have the worst form of fascism. So, so these are just some ideas I'm giving you as to how we need to think of conservatism. We need to start thinking of outcomes. We need to get our outcomes the way they get their outcomes, not just look at every policy play and strategy we make in a vacuum. Well, Daniel, do we like typically doing this? You have to look at at, at the, the the play in totality. No, it's extremely well said, and um, there's so much <laughs> there's so much in there to, to unpack. Obviously, and we're I, I kind of want to dive in a little more on kind of the outmoded nature of the very term conservative after this break. One other thing that kind of stands out to me, though, I, I obviously totally agree with you about just uh, I mean, you know, people, folks like me and you, we 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 always complain about the Republican Party. We have ample reason to complain about that. Okay, I mean, it is a largely unsuccessful political vehicle and has been a largely unsuccessful political vehicle for actually achieving conservatism. But you're totally right that if you kind of look at least at like the Anglophone countries, the English speaking world, and you mentioned Lakota in Israel, that's I think that's totally fair as well. But most of these parties are worse. I, I think one possible exception to that um, is what's happening currently in kind of Central Europe, especially with Fidesz in, in Hungary. I was, I was just over there last month. Uh, the Hungarians are going to have an election here in like a week or two, so we'll see what happens there. But I think, I think that's one reason why a lot of us are kind of yes. p- paying attention to what's happening there, because that, that that's that's what kind of a hands-on approach to right-wing governance actually looks like. But let, let's take a very quick break. Um, stay with us. We've got Daniel Horowitz on the other side. We're going to pick up right from there. Stay with us. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Daniel, I, you know, I hear you talking about the outmoded nature of quote-unquote conservatism, and I, I, I find myself just totally agreeing with this, right? I mean, this is kind of what... You know, I think our, our mutual friend, Dave Raboy, is getting at when he kind of is asking you, do you know what time it is, right? And <laughs> I, I think back also, you know, years ago, I can't remember where exactly it was, but I remember like Steve Bannon t- kind of referring to himself as like a procedural Leninist, right? Kind of adopting this counter-revolutionary <laughs> posture. I, I, I think, I'm not, I'm not mistaken, I think Chris Rufo, of course, who's doing yeoman's work on the critical race theory issue, I think Chris self-identifies as kind of like a right-wing Leninist in that respect. It, is that kind of where we're going is kind of uh, is embracing the mantle of counter revolutionaries is that kind of what you have in mind i mean you're on the ground with a thug about to you know choke you to death i mean it's krav maga time i mean you got to do whatever it takes yep. and that's kind of where we are because of all the things people like you and i have been advocating for for years that the conservative movement has failed to champion and they were distracted at best and downright subversive on many issues at worst and helping the other side. I mean, look at how long it took to even get people on crime and immigration, things like that. They were downright scoring points for the other team, putting the ball in the other end zone. And if you look carefully, you know, I've been trying to think deeply about this philosophically, you know, what has gone on with the Overton window? On the one hand, there are more people sounding like us than ever before, You know, we have moved over people on issues, but on the other hand, we're in worse shape than we've ever been. Look fiscally, dependency wise, culturally, security, demographically, and then, oh my gosh, individual freedom. And we are exponentially worse than at any time. And and the reason is this, the Republican Party and the conservative movement have never fought the issues that matter at the time they matter and in the way they matter. They're always a day late and a dollar short, even when they come to it. So, for example, on immigration, on paper, there's a lot more people that are, you know, saying, yeah, we need to just shut this whole thing down. Then, you know, you and I used to be kind of called the racists on, on the right. And, and you know, all these well-fed people on the right were all for open borders. But the problem is this, because we didn't do it at that time, okay, we didn't do the things that we said at that time. Um, and when we were supposed to be doing it, they were, we had to downright, you know, prevent our team from sending the ball into the wrong end zone, going the other direction. We had this cumulative buildup that now it's such a degree of invasion that even the solutions we were talking about just five, 10 years ago, don't speak to this. I mean, it it just, it's stage five cancer, same thing on crime, same thing on all these issues. Um, you know, it's done. You're not going to fix the federal government anymore. And I'm not going to get into my whole national divorce issue, but I, I really don't see a way of even ever putting that together. You know, when, when, when we're at a five, they're still at a three. When it calls for a 10, they're at a six. And that's always been the problem. 
we're always it's like with covid right now it's kosher for republicans to finally fight the locking down schools but like okay that was two years ago yeah, you right, should have exactly. been on that right away i mean now the issue is the shots right and, you know january 2021 it should have been clear no mandates but now 15 months into all the negative efficacy and insane degree of injury if you're not on that you know just opposing mandates which most of them don't effectively do anyway that's not enough that's not an, and what i'm saying is part of this is understanding the issues too is and, and you talk about knowing what time it is i always say if your website looks like it's 1997 i'm pro-life i'm pro-gun and i'm for lower taxes then you're dead to me because here's the deal here's the deal you look at the you know kind of the landscape of what's going on here and what republicans have successfully done is they take two or three issues and they dangle in front of us and focus on them almost to a fault and what that does is it creates an illusion that there's a legitimate you know meeting of the swords jousting battle lines drawn and people get all hyped up about it and they get drawn into it but on the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter they, they sell us out they're downright on the other side so what a red state is in distinguished from a blue state now is they're pro-life, pro-gun, pro-lower tax versions of everything the left and the special interests want. Yep. So in Arkansas, you mentioned, brought that up, J.B. Hunt, Tyson's, and Walmart run that state. And in fact, not only aren't we gaining traction, getting better people, and I know I have some friends in the state legislature there that are good, they're being challenged from the left, but they're very you know, sneaky about the way they do it. They don't, you know, put on ads that way, but they're funded by the special interests. The special interests control both parties. Pfizer controls both parties. So the wokeness, the cultural Marxism, the medical tyranny, and and then this gets into another point that some of our former or still friends, they can't reinvent the wheel. They're stuck on an algorithm. So they have to look on an algorithm and see, okay, what's the conservative position on this? Okay. Now I know guns, abortion. <laughs> so they, they when they're, th- look, I knew nothing about cytokine storms, pulmonary inflammation, how to treat it, how not to treat it. You know, the, the whole genesis of this gain of function research that was going on for 15, 20 years that, you know, myself included, we all slept through. We didn't realize how they were going to attack us. We thought it would be more traditional means and it wasn't, but you got to get on it. You've got to get your forces to where the fire is. And and I think this comes to Ukraine is a perfect example. Some of and and I'm sure, you know, some of the people I'm I'm referring to, they're stuck on this nostalgia of in the 1980s when it's Reagan with Thatcher and Pope John Paul saving Eastern Europe from the Soviet Union. So they're very one dimensional. Oh, Russia bad. We're sitting (laughs) like, whoa, 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 dude, you're falling into the next current thing the next COVID, the next Fauci, you know, um, Zelensky is the new Fauci, Green Energy is the new um, uh, uh, Pfizer, and, and and Zelensky actually said that yesterday. He's pushing Green Energy. Obviously, fossil fuels is the ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, early treatment. It's the same thing, Hunter Biden. I mean, they are siding with the Hunter Biden side that almost took down Trump's presidency, really did. Um, connected with the bio labs, connected with EcoHealth, Metabiota, ties back into one health institute. I have two columns out at the blaze on that. I mean, they fall right into it. I mean, Josh, we have 
our civilization is killed. We have so many people emailing me injured from the shot, injured from long COVID, can't get treatment, the censorship, the, the violation of the Nuremberg Code. They're working on 15 more of these mRNAs and they're going to force them upon 15. Oh, my God. 15 oh. more are things like RSV that, that have never worked. There's a reason we never had a vaccine. It doesn't work for respiratory viruses. And, and it causes, a, you know, ADE, negative efficacy. So anyway, you know, we have all this going on and we have 90% of the conservative movement and 99% of elected Republicans falling on their sword for Ukraine. That's all that, I mean, I couldn't believe it. We have so much we need to care about and we couldn't get their testosterone levels up on a single one of these things that we're light years ahead of them and I can't even get them to where I was two years ago now. And then Ukraine comes along and man, they're like, they're going to lay it on the line. I saw John Cornyn. He was like, we need to cut up. They were practically saying they were going to expel all Russians from the country. Like, you wow. know, when we said to cut off visas from Islamic countries when we're yeah. at war with them, right? You don't know. You can't erase this, this. And then now, like suddenly, whatever is the spirit of the age. And then another thing I noticed with these people, you're only able to fight for other people. There's almost like a taboo against fighting for your own people. It's almost like this pseudo humility. And, and, and even on Israel, you find this sometimes. You know, we believe in Israel, obviously, because the, the Hamas dudes are genocidal maniacs. There's the biblical ties and, and biblical values in America. Um, those who bless Israel will be blessed. But broadly, even then, you look at the Republican Party, they'll often back Israel to a fault, and I agree with it, on things that they won't stand for in America, like borders and sovereignty and immigration policies. And, 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 and that is it, just bizarre. No, it's that's, really, that's uh, it, it's, it's, it's really bizarre. It's, it's actually a perfect segue because you mentioned the Russia-Ukraine thing. And, you know, the listeners of this podcast know that I've been ranting about that for, I mean, basically since the day this thing started is that this is kind of just the new kind of like virtue signaling mechanism, you know, the, the, the change your Facebook profile photo to show like the mask. We're all in this together, you know, has, be, has become the change to the Ukrainian flag. I mean, uh, Daniel, I was in Key West this past week. I did a little weekend down the Florida Keys. I, in Key West, I, all the tourist bus that I saw, people that are flying in from all over the country, maybe even all over the world, the little Ukrainian flag was up front of the freaking tourist bus. I mean, you think maybe they'd want like an American flag? I don't know. It's like a beautiful resort town in, not in Ukraine, but in America. <laughs> but you, the Israel thing is actually kind of the perfect transition because one thing that I think Israel does well as far as its own foreign policy is they, they zealously defend their interests, wherever their interests are, Gaza, Syria, or, or yep. wherever else, without getting bogged down in these ridiculous, yes. moralistic regime change wars that sap blood, treasure, and morale. So is that kind of the model for foreign policy that you'd like to see conservatives here adopt is something closer to that, I would imagine? I, you know, we've talked about this before. I mean, I remember when we, you know, we used to talk through late hours of the night and, and we talk about this false dichotomy, hawk or dove, yep. pro-intervention or isolation. These are meaningless terms. It's a matter of you stand strongly for your prerogatives. But when you when you sap your t time, talent and treasure on things that that I, they're not just not in your interest, but I'd say everything we've done has you know, come back to bite us over the years. Uh, th that is being dovish. It's being weak. And, and Israel is a great example. And, you know, there's no greater ally of Ukraine, really, than Israel. There's a tremendous amount of cross travel between the two countries. They were the first to, to send aid and all sorts of things to Ukraine when the invasion began. But the Israeli prime minister, if you remember, he did tell um, 
Zelensky, like, dude, I mean, you, you got to give in to his demands, meaning if this is really about peace, if it's really about, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, saving lives, kind of like, remember COVID, if it's really about saving lives, well, you'll push early treatment and things that work, right? right? right. Not bad. So it's a similar thing here. You know, yeah, I wish we had a world where we didn't have Putin. I wish we had no war. I wish we had no nothing. But the reality is it didn't happen in a vacuum, and Israel understood that. It was in the makings for a long time. It's on Russia's border. The whole eastern part is ethnically Russian. That is their prerogative. They will never get off of that. You are not going to win that. All you're going to do by sending more weapons is prolonging it and getting more people killed. The die is cast on eastern Ukraine and Crimea and not joining NATO. Um, It's stupid. There's an ulterior motive for all these Western oligarchs that are propping this guy up. The degree of corruption we see, the Hunter Biden scandal, is the tip of the iceberg. Um, When you see all these, like, weird stories out of Ukraine, all these fake Snake Island stories we've never seen, it's not coming from your Joe Six-Pack. It's a, you know, Joe Six-Pack in in Ukraine. It's a a very, very sophisticated operation. Very sophisticated. I led the fight against COVID fascism, which was the greatest idolatry of all time. But yet with Ukraine, and I didn't even lead on that. I kind of like snarked at it because I didn't want to get sucked in because I want to keep focusing on our issues. But I, there were these memes drawn up about me making fun of the way I look. I I never had that with with COVID. And it was fascinating that it's just... You have these trolls, and um, we now know from Canada that Canada led this G7 initiative on me, kind of uh, social media monitoring um, since 2017, I believe. So that explains a lot of what we've been seeing. This is so much bigger. And finally, and let me wrap this all up with one point. One of the things that, you, that they don't understand with conservatism is this. <sighs> they can't come to grips with the fact that Western leaders and Western governments and society and culture and economies are irremediably broken, corrupt, and downright now immoral and authoritarian to to the point where they are more destructive to our lives than, call it the East, whatever, throw Russia in there, throw China in there, and China obviously ties in because they're all bought out by them, so it emerges that way, but North Korea, Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, Iran, all of that. Al-Qaeda is not kicking our people out of the military who were injured and got myocarditis after the first shot for not getting a second one. And these are true stories for you know preventing people from getting kidney transplants, destroying our entire civilization and killing a million people by creating a virus, blocking the treatment for the virus, creating remdesivir and clot shots and blocking real, real treatment. They're not doing any of this to us. The transgenderism, the cultural rock, the open borders, um, the censorship. I mean, you know, I was the biggest Islamo-fascist hawk around, but I mean, let's face it. This is where the fight is now. So they cannot, they know things are wrong, some of our conservative colleagues, but they can't fully internalize that our regime, and I don't just mean Joe Biden, I mean the whole enchilada, whoever's in charge, is as corrupt and as immoral as Putin. I mean, the Western governments are arresting people for protesting just like Putin does, right? So you're no longer fighting for the same things that Reagan was with Margaret Thatcher and Pope John Paul. 
you got to fix your own house. Yep. We, we, we can't worry about those people until we deal with our own issues here. We, we, don't, we don't have a country or a government for which to rally behind the flag in any of these things, even if it was in our interest. Um, we have a military that's just beaten down. Um, another thing I've talked about, again, wind-up toys. They can't reinvent the wheel. Same old, same old. All these conservative Republicans care about, you know, the one thing they care about in the budget, more military spending. Dude, it's the policies. It's not the money. You're just pumping more money into a woke, corrupt. I mean, I I was on the phone last night for two hours with a whistleblower from the military. The degree of injury and the cover up that has gone up on there is the biggest scandal in American history. It would shock your consciousness the degree of neurological and cardio injury to our pilots, our, our special operators, um, it is, and, and they're continuing. I mean, people a year away from retirement, it's also their it, GI benefits. It, yeah. it, it, it's also just like totally fundamentally not learning the lessons of the past five years or the past decade, right? I mean, there is more corruption in the Pentagon and the deep state apparatus and the intelligence community and and, and that entire kind of swampy enterprise. There is more corruption there. There is more kind of inherent bias against conservatives, against the the deplorables trying to subjugate us. I mean, anyone who even paid remote attention to the various kind of IC intelligence community related scandals of of the Trump years, your first instinct should not be to rearm this beast. It also just like totally fundamentally misunderstands, obviously, what America's role is in the world. I mean, the, the entire premise of loading up on the Pentagon in the year 2022 is that America probably should re- remain the quote unquote world's policeman due to this like zombie Reaganism kind of nostalgia that you mentioned earlier. I mean, the entire thing is just totally off. Um, would love to keep keep on going here. We're unfortunately out of time, but we'll have to bring you on again soon because you and I could obviously talk for hours and hours about all this stuff. Um, but uh, for now, uh, Daniel, where can everyone find you? Sure. So you go to iTunes or anywhere you hear a podcast, CR is in Conservative Review Podcast. Uh, if you like my rants, you have more of it there. And you go to my name uh, at The Blaze and you can find all my columns there. Um, until I get kicked off, I'm one away from permanent suspension on Twitter. <laughs> at RM Conservative. It really is a modern day miracle that you of all people have, have not been permanently banned <laughs> from Twitter. Really great having you on, my friend. And we'll have to have you on soon. So stay with us. We'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So that was Daniel Horowitz, who's been a good friend for a number of years now. Always a very cheery, sunny, and optimistic conversation with Daniel, of course. Now, I say that um, extremely tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, the benefit of having Daniel on the program is he's not going to mince his words, folks. I mean, you heard it right from him. He just tells it like it is. The guy can also just talk for hours and hours and hours. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times over the years we've just aired on the phone just for God knows how long. But the thing that I really want the listeners to take away from this conversation 
And I, I really hope it has not put you in an unnecessarily depressed or pessimistic spot because at the end of the day, you know, conservatives, you know, we have to be realistic about what we're facing here, but it doesn't do anyone good to kind of just look in the mirror all, all, all sullen and gloomy and just kind of cry our sorrows away and all that. The thing that I want you to take away here is what I mentioned at some point, which is this notion of understanding, quote unquote, what time it is. When, when folks like me, when folks like Daniel, when we use this term, what we mean is that the left has had so much success at this point, not just over the course of decades, really over the course of a, a full-on century now. I mean, you, you could trace this back, obviously, at least as far as kind of the Woodrow Wilson presidency. So that's literally over a century now. They have kind of culminated their proverbial march through the institutions. They control all of the institutions that matter, whether it's in the media, whether it's in Hollywood, whether it's in Silicon Valley, whether it's in Wall Street, whether it's in the academy, in government, obviously, in the deep state, the administrative state, the freaking intelligence community, obviously. The listeners of this program remember when we had on Buck Sexton talking about kind of the wokeization of the intelligence community. So the, the notion of understanding what time it is means, do you understand the nature of the threat that we were up against? Do you understand that the left has us pinned down with a knife to our throats with every institution that matters? Now, the question that I asked Daniel was, I said, if you understand this, if you intuit this and you grasp this fundamentally, does that mean that we effectively become to kind of channel Steve Bannon, like I mentioned earlier on the show? Does that mean that we become kind of right-wing Leninist? Do we almost become kind of right-wing Alinskyites where the ends justify the means? And I would submit to you that the answer is no, but it's a qualified no. The answer is no because we do at a certain level, obviously, believe in truth and, and some basic level of kind of decency, and we're not going to just do that. But we necessarily do have to be a little more pliable and flexible. So I think back to this Substack post that my friend Ryan Williams, the president of Claremont Institute, wrote about a year ago now. Ryan put it this way. He said, quote, the stakes are high and the time to fight is now, wielding whatever levers of power are available. The right needs to think less dogmatically and more creatively about defending its friends and constituents and exchanging tit for tat. That really is the name of the game, folks. We need to think less dogmatically and more creatively about defending our civilization, about defending our nation, our borders, our families, our communities against all the forces that are arrayed like ducks in a row lined up against us. The time to fight is indeed now. And if Daniel didn't just rile you up there, then I don't really know what you're waiting for. So until next time, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'm Josh Hammer. Thanks for listening.